0: I'm going to preach about how God wants you to change the world. So the morning, this morning, my objective is to inspire you and to help you get a revelation that you, it's you, not the person next to you, that's you, could change the world. That's pretty pretty huge, isn't it? How many people think the world needs changing? Oh my goodness, our world needs changing, doesn't it? It's a mess. It's a mess. A huge mess. <laughs> the world needs changing. So much violence, so we need less violence. How many people agree we need less violence, less greed, less pain, less depression, The world needs changing, doesn't it? The world needs changing. And God wants you to change the world. At the same time, my second objective uh, is to, hopefully, if I get time, raise awareness that if you believe that God wants you to change the world, you've just entered into a spiritual battle, whether you like it or not. In fact, whether you like it or not, you are. In a spiritual battle. So, let's start by reading the Word. Now, the other day, before Morgan came to preach, I talked about the fact that the reason we stand when someone comes to preach is, one, because we want to honor the person, but the second thing is because we honor the Word of God. And there's a few times in the Bible where when they read the Bible, everyone would stand. And so I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and I thought it'd be really good for us all to stand. We might not do it all the time, but I thought we'd do it today. Okay, so how about you stand? So one of my favorite verses is Matthew 6, 33. Uh, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Some versions say, seek first the kingdom of God. The second verses I want to read are in Mark 4. Now, just I'm telling you the context before I read it because I think that's important. Mark 4 starts off with the parable of the farmer sowing seed. You know, and some seed falls um, on the footpath and Satan comes, this spiritually comes and takes away the seed. Some falls on rocky ground and it doesn't take any roots. Some among thorns. And the cares of life choke it out. Um, but the, the majority of the seal, so, uh, seed falls on good soil. And the, revolt, the result of that is that it produces fruit. Yeah. goes on to produce more seeds. And then there's a parable of the lamp about letting your light shine. And you're making sure that the light shines. And then in Mark 4, there's a parable here. And let's read this. Well, I'll read it to you. <clears throat> Mark 4, verse 26 says, Jesus said, Also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then, heads of wheat are formed. Finally, the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. For the harvest time has come. Verse 30, Jesus said, How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can nest, make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. Let's pray. Father... Lord, we want to understand what you're saying. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to understand about your kingdom. We're here because we believe in your kingdom. We believe, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray you'd inspire our heart. Lord, I pray that we would have revelation that conceives in our mind that then Allows us and shows us how you want us to change to be more like you. Lord, we say, do you, we want you to use us. And we want you to speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so our priority, if the verse says, seek first the kingdom of God, our priority should be to build the kingdom of God. To establish and grow his kingdom. And so to understand that, you've got to know what his kingdom is, don't you? What is the kingdom of God? You know, sometimes I think in our reading of it, it becomes something quite, I'll use the word nebulous, sort of out there. And, and we sort of think, oh, well, that's something over there. It's fascinating. It says "Build, seek first the kingdom of God, not, not the kingdom of church. Kingdom of God is far more important. What's, what's quite cute and quite fascinating is that the seek first the kingdom of God was my favorite verse. And it was Eleanor's favorite verse. So just watch out. You might have someone near you that's got the same famous, uh, favorite verse as you. That could be quite exciting. But our priority in our life is to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put the kingdom of God as the first and most important thing in our life. See, the kingdom of God is a central theme that Jesus has. Sometimes he uses the word the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, it's the same thing. And this is what it is. And I think I've put the the definition up. The kingdom of God encompasses the reign, the rule, and the realm of God in the hearts of individuals, in the community of believers, it's us, And the ultimate fulfillment of God's purposes in the world. The kingdom of God, what we want is where Jesus rules. So he rules in my life, he's the boss. Ellen is not the boss, God's the boss. Your mother's not the boss. God's the boss. He's the ruler. We submit to his rule in our lives. So there's a couple of key concepts. One is the sovereign rule of God, which means that God has authority over everything in our lives. We are submitted to him. That's why when we're worshiping, we're showing that we are submitted to him. We raise our hands to show that—well, we've got to be careful. You might see a bit much there if I raise my hands too much. We raise our hands. Why do we do that? Because we are honoring that God—we surrender to God. He's our ruler. He's in in control. He's our boss. So there's God's sovereign rule. Uh, The kingdom of God represents the reign and authority of God over all creation. It's a spiritual realm where God's will is done. His love is there. His love and His his justice prevail. It's when God is in control. Now, what that tells us is that in a lot of places, God is not in control because people are not submitted to Him. That's why we've got so much chaos. That's why the world's a mess. Because... Little old me is in control, and I want things to be for me. I, we, we set up rule, and we see the results of that all of the, over the world. In Psalm 103 verse 98, it says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his, king, king, sorry, his kingdom rules over all. The second thing is that uh, the kingdom of God is about present and future dimensions. What do we mean by that? It's about the present, but it's also about the future. See, we want the Holy Spirit to transform us and change us. And and look, this is a constant process of you and me going, I'm submitted to God, I'm going to let him change me. And if he can change us, then we can change the world. It's transformative work, where we let the Holy Spirit into our lives and let him change us and mold us. But it's also about a future kingdom. So has, you know, we pray the prayer, thy kingdom come. What do we want? We want God to rule in the world. We want God to rule in our affairs. We want to live in his kingdom. Does that make sense? The third thing is we believe in personal transformation. We believe that we can be personally transformed by God and that we need to. And we do that through, through repentance, through faith. Through our faith in Jesus, through letting the Holy Spirit change us, in that through our relationship with God, the kingdom means that we've got a relationship with God because we come into the kingdom and now he's our father. We've got a relationship that grows where we experience forgiveness. We experience reconciliation, all those good words. We become a citizen of the kingdom of God. We come into his family. See, the kingdom of god is about his family yeah. same thing different picture colossians 1:13 says for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves we've changed kingdoms third it's about the community of believers Together, we're all submitted to God. We're all submitted into His kingdom, and we live as a community with His, within, um, with His grace, His love, His righteousness flowing. We believe in social justice. His kingdom has justice and restoration. The kingdom of God carries a hope of social and justice restoration. It caused believers to address issues of injustice, oppression, poverty, brokenness in society, working towards the establishment of righteousness, peace, and compassion in all areas of life. Can you see that if the kingdom of God ruled, it would be an amazing place to live? It'd be heaven on earth. If everything that God wants for you and me, we took hold of and we outlived. The world would be a bright place to live, wouldn't it? The last thing is that we've got an eternal hope. The kingdom of God holds a promise of eternal life and hope in a new heaven and a new earth. It, it anticipates the complete triumph over sin and death and evil where God's presence will f- be fully established and realized and his kingdom will have its all-fullness. Now, here's the thing, a concept that we often talk about is that is the kingdom is now, but not yet. Now, that's saying, yeah, look, the kingdom of God is now, but, but, but it's, it's actually advancing and growing, and it's not yet in its full completion. The only thing I think that sometimes does to us is that it makes us think, oh, it's a way away. I don't live in it now. It's not now the kingdom of heaven. It'll come. And what happens then is that we miss the whole area of what God wants for you and me. And it's that you and I are called to change the world. We're called to change the world. If we live our lives with Jesus as our ruler, we will change the world. Now, how many people believe Jesus changed the world? Okay. Shouldn't put my hand up like that. And he calls you to change the world. Tell the person next to you, God wants you to change the world. So how does it happen? Verse 31 of Mark 4 says it's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make their nest into it. Effectively, it's saying that if I change, I'm going to change. And it only needs to be a small seed in me. I'm going to change. If I change, it's going to change my marriage. And if my marriage changes, it's going to change my family. And if my family changes, then it's going to affect the church. Isn't it? If we change, now it's on to we, all from that change, then it's going to change the city. Now, the kingdom of God is not one church in the city, it's all the churches. And it's the kingdom of God that we're more and more excited about than anything, isn't it? Because the kingdom of God comes first. If we change Tauranga, we might get to even change the world. Well, let's start with New Zealand first, eh? I think New Zealand needs a bit of change. How many people think New Zealand needs changing? Yeah. How does it happen? One seed at a time. And it becomes the largest plant. The, 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 the story that Jesus is trying to say to us is that, hey, a little seed can become and have a, let's say, a catastrophic effect. Yeah. It has an effect. It has a ripple effect. Yeah. But you see, we don't believe that. Otherwise, we would change more because we would see that, hey, if I don't change, how can the world change? I think Mark, Michael Jackson sort of hit it on the head. I'm starting with the... No, that doesn't sound very good, does it? You can see why I'm not on Singers anymore, eh? What did he start with? Who's the man in the mirror? You, me, me, you. I'm, you're not in my mirror. I'm in my mirror. It starts with me, doesn't it? You see, everything goes from smaller to the bigger and bigger to smaller. We are more aware now that we have an effect around the world. We can have conversations with people anywhere in the world. The thought that you could change, that one person could change the world is actually quite conceivable. In fact, people have been doing it for years. You think about it. We want world peace. Isn't that what we want to think? And really, that would make a big difference. If I carry peace, and I bring peace around me, that's a seed of peace. That's going to make a difference. If I'm carrying peace, and now my family has peace, and now if my family has peace, then maybe the people I'm in my community, church community and life care, will find peace. Jesus brought peace everywhere he went, didn't he? he had an effect of everywhere he went and it, it had ripple effects. Family peace, friendship peace. Maybe you'll have business peace, peace in your business. No more worrying about things. You got peace. Maybe we could have city peace, peace in our city. If we got peace in our cities, maybe we could get peace in our country. If we got peace in our country, maybe we could help bring peace to the world. It starts with you and me with one little seed. Everything where you change has effect. You imagine the world, if the kingdom of God was fully established on earth. It'd be totally different. It would affect everyone. You'd have a deeper relationship with God to start off with. Because we'd think, yeah, no, it's all about my relationship with God. Everybody would experience love that have God to guide them so they'd be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Look, if I just lived my life in tune with the Holy Spirit, man, everything would go well, wouldn't it? We'd be producing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. What does that look like? Will there be a lot more love? How many people think the world needs a lot more love? Joy? Peace? Patience? Imagine just how much, if everyone got patience, how different the world would be. It would solve our traffic problems. Patience. You know, what would be happening is this fruit would be happening everywhere. There'd be faithfulness, gentleness, self control. <laughs> self control would change the world, wouldn't it? How many people know somebody that needs some self control? I said that so because if I said, Do you need some self control? you might not put your hand up. Sin patterns would be broken, brokenness would be replaced. We'd be living a life of abundance. Fulfillment, joy, peace, contentment. It would be an amazing world. We'd be living the dream. Do you know, lately, I've been saying, when people say, How you going? I'm going, Great, I'm living the dream. I'm living the dream because I'm in the kingdom of God. I've changed kingdoms. I'm not in that other kingdom anymore. I'm under a different rulership. I'm living the dream. It's the dream kingdom, isn't it? Are you living the dream? Oh, no, not really. (laughs) There's a whole lot of things happening in my world that it's not the kingdom of God, that's for sure. We've got this transition that we've got to do where we've got to go, I'm on this direction that God is ruling in my life more and affecting everything. As we let God change us, do you know what starts to happen? It starts to automatically happen. Look at this, Mark 4, verse 26. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces a crop on its own. Do you know what happens when you and I start to live a life like Jesus? You actually start to automatically live it. Because as we let go of the sinful things in our lives and we build good habits, it actually becomes automatic and we can watch an effect happen around us. And we just automatically see this kingdom grow. It just becomes the way I live. It's not that I'm trying to do anything different, it's not that I'm trying I'm trying to be like Jesus. I'm just not gonna say anything for the rest of the week and I might get there. No, but if you've, you've let God change you on the inside, you've let the power of God work through you, then automatically you make a difference. Cause why? You're living in the kingdom of God. You're living the dream. And it just automatically happens. A seed doesn't. Like, you we, we plant seeds in the ground, you just let it go, don't you? So we let seeds plant in our ground, and we let seeds plant in other people by being kind, by being nice, by, by changing our responses, by being patient, by being loving. We sow seeds, and these seeds seem to automatically grow, and we change the world. You know, about uh, five weeks ago, we had Pastor Luke come to our church, and uh, he talked about, uh, you know, seven mountains, and he talked about a whole lot of things for our church. And I know about you; it was pretty overwhelming, in a sense of, "Man, are you asking us to change the world?" And and I was sitting on that front seat, and I got a little bit overwhelmed because he kept pointing at me. <laughs> And he went, it starts with you. And I thought, why didn't he point at Kelly and say, it starts with Kelly? Why didn't he grab Nathaniel and point at Nathaniel and say, it starts with you, Nathaniel. And I'd go, oh. And you all relaxed there. Because he said, oh, you went great. It, it's, it's, it's you. And he points at me. I thought, that's not fair. He could have, unless it starts with us. Yeah. But then I might have relaxed. I thought, oh, that's great. Oh, thank goodness. He's going to do it through Sam and Abby. So, yeah. phew. <laughs> In a sense, it starts with me, but it's not just me. I believe God's calling. It's a call to the world. It starts with you It starts with you You can change the world But I don't think we believe it If you believe that you could do something That would change the world You would start living differently Man, I'm going to change the world You'd live with a purpose You would go, man, there's some things in my life Man, I need to I need to Stop Dare I say it, some of us would stop doing some things like, 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 I'm not going to say. If you believed you'd change the world, there would be some things that you would stand up and do. One of the things in my mind at the time is that too many of us are sitting down as Christians. What does that mean? We're sitting How much can you do while you're sitting? Stand up. Be active. See, if you can get a vision that your life can change the world, then suddenly you're living with purpose. And if you can understand that if you change and you carry peace, you can change it for other people. I know about you, I start getting excited. We need to get a vision that we can change the world. If we let Jesus rule in our lives, we can change the world. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a, uh, a person, and they were telling me what they do, and it was pretty huge and, and, and pretty big, and you know they're a Christ- Christian, but it was in the sort of the, the secular world they were doing these things, and I said, "Oh, you know what, why are you doing all that?" And it was like their face lit up and they said, Well, I really believe if I can see this and make this difference here, that in the long term it'll change this country. And the effect on this country is it'll change and it will mean there will be not as much violence in the world. And they truly believed that they were going to change the world. And I was inspired. I was inspired. Because I thought that's what every Christian should believe. That if I carry on doing my work and I make a difference here, it may seem like a tiny little seed and a tiny little thing. But if I'm faithful in what God's called me to and I do that, I'm going to change the world. It's going to have a ripple effect. I believe the church is the hope of the world. But the church is only the hope of the world because you're in it. And you're living the life. You're living in a life that is changing and making a difference and sowing. What are your areas that your life sows into? Yes, there's financial. And, you know, we've got our kingdom offering coming up. And that's a part that you'll be. But just your time, you're letting God change you. Your things you say, the things you do can change the world. we're going to change the world. Tell the person next to you, you're going to change the world. Tell the other person, we're going to change the world. We're called to this part of the world. You're where you are for a purpose. There's no coincidence in it. You live By the people you live by. Imagine changing something to do with your neighbors for the better. That has effect. Imagine making a difference for people at work. That has an effect. We've got to see that we're here to change the world. Change the community. You know, as a church, in one sense, we already are doing it to a little extent. How about that couple? That's what our kingdom offering does. It just sows a seed into them. We all think, oh, that's not much. Some of us didn't even know who they were. But that's an effect. Based on that, based on knowing that we want to change the world, what we've got to realize is that this is talking about a spiritual kingdom a spiritual kingdom that manifests into the natural world. It's a, it's a both, spiritual and natural. And one of my concerns is, is that I don't think people realize that every day you are facing a spiritual battle, that every day the enemy is trying to stop you stop you being in the kingdom of God and trying to get you to go back to the kingdom of darkness. He's aggressive. He wants to get you off track. He wants to stop you believing that you could change the world. He wants you to be depressed. He wants you to stop. He wants you to do anything. He wants to distract you. Every day you are facing a spiritual battle. Every day. How many people have ever been tempted by sin? How many people were tempted last year? How many were tempted this year? How many people were tempted, no, keep your hands down, this week? The enemy's trying to tempt you, tempt you to make wrong choices, tempted you to say things you shouldn't say. Imagine the world if a lot of us said a lot less and listened a lot more. Whoa. Every day, he's trying to get you to do nothing. Every day, he doesn't want you to read your Bible so every time there is spiritual opposition, let's play another game. One more game will be all right. That is spiritual opposition. Temptation is spiritual opposition. Now look, I know we think spiritually. We think, no, no, that spiritual things, the big stuff out there, it involves the church and those people that go to the prayer meeting. It doesn't affect me. I'm a man. I can do all. Th- I, I can do. I can do it on my own. And we try and march through life, doing it ourselves, thinking we can fight spiritual battles. Well, we can, but we've got to do it with God. Do you know why I know most people don't think they're in a spiritual battle? Because most people don't pray. In general, if you had a revelation that there was an opposition to you changing the world, And you saw it was spiritual and temptation and things that you do, then you'd start going, man. I need to pray to, I need to resist the devil. I need to, I need to do put on the armor of God, because you'd realize that you're in a spiritual battle. What else does the enemy do? He's into interpersonal conflicts and division, isn't he? He loves it when he gets division in families, when he creates, when he creates conflict. He wants to sow discord, bitterness, division. All the things that we believe, if we do, will change the world. Let's just think of one concept, forgiveness. Man, you think how powerful forgiveness is. If everybody just forgave everybody, oh man, it'd be a different world, wouldn't it? How many things are violence because it's revenge, because people feel that it's not fair? It goes right back. We all think it's someone else's fault. We like to blame people. Oh, it's not my fault. It's because this world does this. It's because the government does this. It's because, I don't know, because I can't fix the jolly roads in Tauranga. That's the problem. And we look outside and we don't realize, if I change, I could change the world. If you're facing any mental or emotional struggles, that's the enemy going at you. Yes, there's other things in there, but the enemy is definitely sowing that. He wants you to doubt. He wants you to fear. He wants you to have anxiety. He wants you to have depression. He wants to stop you changing the world. Yet the answer is so simple: is let God change me. And in a sense, it's as simple as saying, "I'm going to submit to you, God." You know, if you, you know, what I love about God is He doesn't deal with everything everything in our life at once. If God dealt with everything in my life, I'd be a blubbering mess on the ground here. Maybe I already am. No, no, But God is patient with us because we're all broken. We've all got some things to work on. And all God requires of you is you work on the one thing he's pointing out to you today. The one thing that he says to you, hey, I think you need to sort that out in your life. And in its simplicity, and I know I've taken all that time to paint the picture to come to, hey, the solution is easy. And, you know, look, if you've been a a Christian for a while, you, you know the solution. It's just a matter of doing it. It's One, it's praying, praying in the Spirit, praying about everything in your life, everything. And then two, it's about knowing God's Word, speaking God's Word, living God's Word. It's as simple as that. It's how we change the world. You go back and you go, I'm going to live like Jesus. Musicians, if you want to come. If I change, I can change the world. Do you believe it? If you change, you can change the world. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? It starts with you. What do you need to change? And right now, as you say to God, God, is there anything I need to change? Like, well, that's a scary question. Because it means you might have to change something in your life. Lord, I pray right now you'd speak to every person in this room. Lord, we want to change the world. And Lord, we know it starts with letting you change young us. Letting you change us. Well, everyone's got their eyes closed. One of the first decisions you have to make is to decide whether you're going to enter into the kingdom of God or not. If you're going to say, yes, I want God to be my boss, my ruler. It's what Christians talk about is, hey, we give our hearts to God. We, we, we say, God, you can now rule in my life. And it's the step and it's a change from saying, I'm no, gonna, no longer going to live in my own kingdom or in the enemy's kingdom. I'm going to change and I'm going to ask that I can enjoy in God's kingdom. And so we enter by asking God to first forgive us. We enter into his kingdom by saying, God, will you forgive me? Will you come into my life? I want you to rule in my life. It's the first step of entering into God's kingdom. It's a commitment to say, right, I'm going to help change the world. I'm going to let him rule in my life. Well, everyone's got their eyes closed, if you go, Alan, that's me, I'd like to make that decision to let him come alive. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. I just want to know who's praying it. If you go, Alan, that's me, I've actually not been living in God's kingdom. I know I haven't. I'm not really letting God rule. I've got all the things happening on the outside that may look like it. I come to church and I do this and I do that. But really deep down, I know that you're not... That God's not ruling in my life. That's you, won't you just? everyone else got their eyes closed except me? I'm just looking around. If they go, that's me, Ellen. I want to give my heart to Jesus this morning. I want Him to rule in my life. Why don't you just put your hand up? Yeah, that's hard, but it's a great decision. Fantastic. See that you can put your hand down. Is there anyone else? Fantastic. That's awesome. Anyone else? I like it that people are thinking. And maybe you want to go away and think about it. That's a great thing to do, to consider. We're going to pray a prayer. We're all going to pray it. I know many of you have already done it, but there's something about entering back in again. So let's just pray this prayer, everyone. Pray it after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me for all the wrong things I've done. Please come into my life. Please be the king in my life. I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to open the altar. If there's anything that God's spoken to you about... That you feel, man, I need to go get it right. Big or small. In fact, most often it's the small things that he starts with. And sometimes the small things are the hardest things. We're going to open the altar. You can come and just kneel and do your business with God. Someone may come and pray for you, they may not. But when you just go, hey God, there's this area where I've been ruling and I need to give it to you. I don't know what it is for me, but coming to the altar on a regular basis, establishes that he's king. And I'm putting it out there that if you never, ever come on altar calls, so I'm saying never, ever, is that a lordship issue? Is that, oh, it's for everyone else and it's not for me? And it's not, I get nothing out of whether people come or not. It's not on me. What I do love about it is it's saying people are open to hear from God. And you can do it at home. I, that happens. There's something about just coming. Honestly, there is something about this place. I believe in this, and I'm talking about our church in this area, This is the establishment of the rule of God. It changes the atmosphere around people's lives. In your house, when the rule of God's in there, it changes the atmosphere in your home. It changes everything. It's exciting. How about you stand up? If you need to respond, it's between you and God. Come kneel. We don't do a lot of kneeling, but kneeling's a good thing to do. You can kneel where you are. But let's submit ourselves to God. Father, I thank you for this morning. And Lord, we do, we come and we say, you are king in our lives. We give you rule in our lives. Help us to live for you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar's open.